It's Friday, April 2nd. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news headlines and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. How's it going, fellas? What so up? Good. On the Great. show with us today, our good buddy, Kurt Bunker, or KB, or Curtis, if there's another Kurt in the room. How you doing, Kurt? Excellent. Could we go with the bunks? The, the bunks? the bunks. I like that one. <laughs> Feels good. K to the bunks. All right, uh, and sorry we missed on Wednesday for y'all. It was a it was a crazy day, but we're back, and I think we all made it through April Fools. Now we're gonna hit you with some real news. I think who wants to start? So I'll lead I'll lead off real quick. You know, right. um, as as I was looking up, I had some some bigger topics uh, today, so my mind was kind of focused around those. But April second is a you know pretty big day for our family, being Autism Awareness Day, and there's a preference in the community for autism acceptance day. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of discussion around, you know, autism versus neurodiversity versus, you know, versus the acceptance portion. Uh, So as I was looking up things for today, one of the things that struck me the most was Microsoft, you know, basically got into the hardware business with a soft card for the Apple II on this day. So their entry, you know, I had to verify that on a couple different sites because, you know, dates can be fuzzy around hardware product launches and things like that. But I thought it was kind of neat. 1980, Microsoft's first hardware product, the 280 soft card for the Apple II. So I, I thought that was funny. It was for loading, you know, other operating system and other application capabilities, you know, outside of what the Mac could do. So that, that was fun. Yeah. Awesome. It's always fun to hear where people come from. Like whenever you think about other kind of fairly known commodities uh, in the tech space, like Nintendo, for instance, they started as a, like a trading card company in yeah. the 1800s. So always interesting tidbits of history and where people started, especially if you're providing services for what is now considered a pretty large rival. Yeah, yeah there's actually, Apple started 45 years ago yesterday, and then Gmail launched yesterday as well which I actually distinctly remember it being an April Fool's thing, but then it was real, and that was in 2004. Let's see. Uh, also, the internal combustion engine was patented yesterday in 1826. Uh, not important. Not yesterday. Are we, yesterday. Are we past Nobody that? even uses those. Nobody, <laughs> nobody ever did. Ice is over. Ice, Ice is, over. is over. Man, internal combustion, internal combustion engines are awesome. Wasn't, uh, Julie, didn't you post a poll? Wasn't uh, one of your daughters asking um, for the internet's take on what the most important inventions and in, in including yes, uh, like electricity, the internal combustion engine, the internet, and like the loom or something. I forget. What yeah, vaccines was, or something. Vaccines. Okay. I think uh, penicillin is what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That it just came to mind. Yep. That was that was one of the ones, and I cannot remember what the majority of the people said. I'd have to go back and look probably vaccines. Probably penicillin. I feel like when I looked, that was the one that was topping the charts because compared yeah. to everything else, like dying um, wasn't right. as wasn't as critical. It was a really or interesting was more critical, experiment. I should say. <laughs> no, yeah. I know what you meant. Really <laughs> dying young, great. You've you've got cars and the internet, but you're still dead in your 30s. <laughs> right. <laughs> Dang. <laughs> maybe, I, maybe I can look that up. All right. Uh, that was uh, today in tech history. Yesterday in tech history, really. But um, do y'all know Gmail? Did you use Gmail? Have y'all heard of Gmail? Did I use Gmail? Like that's one of the products Google canceled, right? (laughs) (laughs) I may have used Gmail this morning. I might be using Gmail right now. (laughs) Yeah, yep, yep, yep. I'm using Gmail right now. How early did you guys snag a name? Did you did you write in the first year or in the second year snag up a a good username? 
there a way to look that up? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I, can I don't know when I got mine. I got my I mean I got my name. That's always good, but I got my whole name and I and I don't think I could get Tyler or Tyler Gates. I think I delayed. I remember um, thinking it was weird that off. I couldn't get anything close to my name that somehow the internet, you know, way back then had already claimed such a, you know, a broad spectrum of, of usernames. Oh, yeah. So yeah. I swear I, I somebody went out with a bot why. and just picked up names that were adult sounding or human yeah. sounding probably yeah <laughs> i can't oldest... use russell cantwell or r cantwell spelled normally on any email Anywhere. service that exists and it's not oh, because really? of bots it's because of my father what a guy oh. how do you get there before first, you had the internet first oh. he was a dude so, you know. i feel like i got my parents their email addresses like that wasn't there was no yeah. race there my dad <laughs> built my dad built a land gaming center I oh, do man. remember you That's saying great. that. <laughs> no, it's funny because when you said that, I imagined your father-in-law, who you told us a few stories about, and I was like, "Did he even know what a land was? And he just did it. He was like, "I'm going in there. I'm gonna put on my Wranglers. I'm gonna tackle yeah, a hog, and then know what email is. dive roll into the <laughs> land business." That man is almost 70 years old and hunts <laughs> hogs with a knife. Right, 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 right. That's what I saw. I conflated these two individuals yeah. in my head, and I was imagining him, like, fighting, knifing a hog to death and then just dive rolling into a building and setting up a land center. I'm like, I don't get it, but hey, whatever. <laughs> so for all the listeners who are confused <laughs> right now, my father-in-law, if you were to ask him what his profession is, he would tell you he's a cowboy. And he would he would mean it like that's like genuinely he, he's, he is a cowboy. And Love it. one time I was using in uh, just an HTPC on my computer and someone had asked me to ask a question. I looked it up on Google and he witnessed that act happening. This was in the year 2016. And he goes, what is that? And I said, well, what is what? And, he's, and his response was like that thing you just... You just you can you can ask it any question and it will return an answer. And I said, Google. What? And he was like, Yeah, like what? Put this in there. And he wanted me to Google some ranch. And the ranch had a website. And he was like, I was there last week. I was explaining in the year 2016 not only what a search engine was, but what Google was to my father-in-law. Yeah. He lives a very different life than the wow. rest of us. Yeah. Does he know very, what you do? Can he can you describe it? Him and I don't have a significant amount in common. Uh, so, no, I don't think he could describe it. In fact, I'm pretty it's sure right. I've told him that I just fix computers. If I'm, I think that. that's the right way to do it. Other yeah. than you get a lot more laptops dropped off in your house yep. when, you, yep. when you say it that way. <laughs> like, I tech tech support. I'm going to regret this. So I, have, uh, <laughs> I, I, I fix networks. Don't say I yeah, fix right. computers. I, fix I, ha networks. I have one yeah. rule. So I, I did used to obviously run tech support for the entirety of the family and extended family and all of their friends for many years. I changed it now to, I always had this rule that if you had a Mac, I wouldn't fix that. And then I changed it to, if you aren't running Linux, I won't fix it. Or if you want me to fix your computer, then your only option is for me to transfer everything to Linux. Oof. And yeah, uh, in, in that you can use that. And so wow. I've only had two people ever take me up on it. Um, one was my mother and one was my aunt, both of which are 10 years later, happy Linux users, except for my, my mom. I did buy her. I given her an old laptop and that laptop. Uh, I mean, it's probably 12 years old. I, or I had had it for three or four years before I gave it to her. And then she, she approached 10 years with it and it died 
maybe two two years ago or so, and I ended up buying her a Chromebook for Christmas just to switch her over. So uh, it's you know you can be pretty mobile with most people in different operating systems these days. But she never once had a problem or asked me how to operate Linux. And my mom is one of the least technical people that I know. She even uh, did one of the things that people say is impossible on Linux. She added a printer. I don't know how she figured it out. Clicking <laughs> <laughs> the add printer button and then it just showed up. But printers are possessed, bro. Hey, yeah. I hate, I hate <laughs> they printers. never work. I, I have a new one sitting right here. I just bought a new one because I like everything broke on my printer recently. I can't print from it. I can't scan it. I can't can't do anything with it. Yeah. So I had to buy a new one. It's still in the box. Oh man! All right, Kurt, you send us a bunch of stuff like all the time, every day, yeah. and I love it. And I wish I had like an extra ten hours every day to just sift through all this stuff. It's so good. Like not even just to. Because it's not, it wouldn't take ten hours to read all the things you send, but to start down the rabbit hole of everything that you send. Yeah. you know what I mean. And it's then ride, ride yeah, that yeah, yeah. for a while. Yeah, that's so, the exciting part about being on the call with you guys is you know there's there's so much happening in this in this you know post corona world that that affects well really my lens is from a future forward looking back right so the the novel the, the main graphic novel that I'm creating around that sent me down a path that kind of got me into the AI bug territory. Once you, once you start scratching that, you know, that bug bite, it turns into this constellation of technologies, right? So you're absolutely right. You know, uh, but my perspective is like from a 2099, 2084 to 2099, this, this time period that this daughter of Gaia is being raised, if you will, this primordial type of, you know, daughter in the, in the essence of, not like man gives his rib type of essence, but that's how the gods worked in the primordial sense long before Zeus and all that. So when you're studying it from a mythical and scientific, uh, you know, sci-fi kind of kind of uh, lens, you don't have to know what tools got you there. You just have to know where you want the human race to be. And after asking a lot of kids, what are your fears around, you know, a lot of these things that were popping up, the reason why we started writing this graphic novel and doing the research around artificial intelligence and things like that were the comments back from the kids. And it was way beyond like, will a robot take my mom's job or, you know, things of that nature. There was really profound, bigger questions that were being asked. And so as I started to peel back, what I wanted to talk about today was this, I'm just trying to find a central focus because I have this horrible, you know, um, habit of going off in all these directions. And luck it's with a gift. that. It's yeah, a gift. <laughs> just say it, yeah, you, you're luck. able to think about like four things at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, it's exhausting sometimes, but it's really it's really neat. I feel like we're at a crossroads right now, and it started with the release of the National Security Commission, you know, around AI, the the 756 page document that was released on March 1st. They had a big send off meeting. Uh, all these leaders from Oracle and Microsoft and I mean, beyond just uh, the, the tech industry, you know, they've been running on this two-year commission, and it's the largest document that I've seen that, for me, it's quite profound, because you have to hide in a hole for a couple of years when you're talking about these kind of things. It takes a long time to explain to people, I'm looking through a fantasy lens, I'm looking through a lens of, I don't know how we reach these technologies, but I have both, you know, like I said, I got science and, and you know, fantasy at my at my fingertips uh, to be able to solve these things. I just need to know what did the great minds of the world, how do they project forward that far? It's very easy from 2020 to 2030, but how do we project into the types of things that, you know, I don't want to get wrapped around an axle, 
with a lot of uh, really brilliant minds around, well, the singularity at this time and this at this time and, you know, when do the, you know, intelligence explosions start to happen? When does quantum computing come into the, the framework? So what I loved about the NSCAI, I love no acronyms, I hate spelling everything out all the time, um, is it was a central document written for the government that came from a lot of different perspectives. I really like the YouTube kickoff call. If you just Google NSCAI, you'll get about a 50-minute CAI. Yep. So the National Security Commission will come up right away. When you go to YouTube, it's kind of sad how many, I don't know, hundreds, maybe even a thousand hits it's had over the last, you know, four to five weeks that it's been out in the wilds. But it's a very hard document to consume. So as I started, I'm sorry. National Security Good. Commission on Artificial Intelligence. Yeah, yeah. So that, you. that 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 YouTube video introduces what that uh, commission was doing under the previous presidency. And when you watch like Biden's address last night to the nation, or maybe it was two nights ago, around infrastructure, you can tell that the levels of government have already been briefed on this document. And it's not like I'm some you know alien guy waiting for the videos to be released. <laughs> I just want discussion. It's like, no, that's when me. will the discussion start? You know? <laughs> and, well, when your intro to the document states the kind of things, the impact statements in that document are profound. They literally state general intelligence is coming soon. They, they Kurt, state the type of Can I ask a question? We, Have you go. read this entire document? Because it is 756 pages long. Every bit. I have screenshots in front of me. It was so exciting wow. to me. Well, after I peeled that layer back, well, then the, the uh, data science for everyone came out. So the commitment, Eric Schmidt and the Schmidt Foundation kind of backed this uh, global initiative for K through 12, which has can, can always read- been my... Can I pause just yep. just to just to catch some of the listeners up for a second? Russ, you're talking about so if you go to nscai.gov, there's a download the PDF report. Is that what yeah, you're talking that's, about? That's what I pulled yeah. up. Yeah. And then yep. so if you look at this final report that Kurt is talking about, it says 16 chapters explain the steps the US must take to responsibly use AI for national security and defense, defend against <laughs> AI threats, and promote AI innovation. The AI innovation is where I try to focus. I got like sure. Guys, I have a 756 pages of condensed down to bullets in front of me because I knew today would be really hard. And I wanted to get across why, why I'm so excited about these things coming together. It's not just really pretty graphics and, and high-level thinking that uh, trickles down into recommendations. I think everyone on this call might appreciate you know, good white papers, if you will, <laughs> are hard to write. And it's hard to condense down massive human impact. Uh, creating whole, creating the data core. You know, I'm not a military person by heart, but I live in Alaska, so you're just one stone throw away from a military family and understanding, you know, where that goes. But, like, I'm thinking about the hope and the um, opportunity that are in this document as well, right? I come from a social science background. I come from humanities and social work before technology. And so a lot of what I'm doing is writing around the human impact. And if you look at the type of um, investment the pillar uh, around education and preparation for humans. It's, it's, I mean, the statements around that pillar and how far we are behind educationally, like the quantum workforce is a few hundred people. When are we gonna, you know, it takes what, 15 to 20 years to start a kid at the age of 10 to bring them up through the type of, you know, modern capabilities of education to be able to be working right. in the quantum labs that we have. And so it is now a national security issue. And the the most inhibiting factor 
is our kids' tech literacy. And that has always been at the core of what I'm trying to do with the books. I have what I'm trying to present for my kids and for the neurodiverse community and science. But my passion around a lot of what I'm doing, if I'm ever to make this, you know, by frost work, um, is around educating. And I, I try to focus on a nine to 13 audience. I struggle personally on, you know, before the age of nine, because yeah. I'll just overload a child. A lot of time when I read in the classrooms and gather information well, and work with my own children. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I love the, like the, the Harry Potter side. age kind of a deal, right? Yep. And I always tack the plus on because the beauty today in like five hours, I'm talking with the, the Schmidt Foundation folks that are, uh, with, I've taken the commitment. Data Science for All has a very large commitment to individuals, to learning institutions. Uh, I wanted to talk about that a little later on the call, why I'm doing a lot of this now kind of more formally versus doing it in my own head and doing it for my own reasons around Bifrost. But it's super exciting what the framework that they've created for allowing people as small as my contribution up to superintendents of you know local schools to embrace data science early um, without the fear, right? I have the fear yeah. edge because I, re you know, that's, that's one of the things that's difficult about reading around the whole human condition of something. And, and it's, it's easier for me to shed because I can look at it from a future forward back kind of perspective and writing a book and, and always speaking to hope, right? Like the kids don't know how they're going to overcome global warming in some cases when you ask them, when they truly understand what's at stake. And, you know, sometimes it's their superheroes. Why do you think all these characters came into the story? So back to the NSCAI, um, what I found profound was its ability to, gosh, like summarize general intelligence, talk about nanotechnology, talk about the preparation, has a very strong opening letter. I would encourage anyone that doesn't want to read the whole document. Obviously, the YouTube approach is great. You know, you get to meet all the characters. They do their formal signing ceremony of this document and hand off to the government for recommendations. Honestly, as I'm looking at this website and I'm just enamored by the way they're presenting information, they have a, I mean, people have a lot of different options and ways to consume this. There's, they have yes. a 10 page executive summary. They have the full 756 page report. They have an interactive report where it kind of summarizes different sections that you can click on and go to. And then just right on the front page, I mean, they have immediate links to, just embedded links to the YouTube, uh, various YouTube, I guess, things that they've yeah. done for different meetings all over it. And and they have other episode links and just different videos, videos listed there, white papers you can link to. I mean, they are coalescing a lot of data and making it very easy to, to yes. kind of walk through what you wanna what you wanna consume. And the statements in there, I, I heard it come out in Biden's speech a few days ago around the, the interstate highway system. Now, I know that's not exclusive to this paper, what but do, if you, what you read the, like, so, what, so, yeah, sorry. <laughs> if you read the thoughts. executive summary, yeah, if you read the executive summary, it states the insignificance of what's being asked. We're asking for under $40 billion, and it puts it into perspective that when Eisenhower basically put things into effect around the interstate, it was 10 billion in current standards, that's 96, right? So they're asking for more to interconnect us from a physical road perspective or even start that infrastructure you know, capability than they are for basically enhancing the democratization of competing in artificial intelligence, right? And that is the, the key piece. And it can be ironic. You got Eric Schmidt kind of leading the board of you know, basically saying, we have too many tech companies that control, too few tech companies that control too much 
a very, very big part when you read the executive summary or the whole intro section that you're referring to is it really gets down to the brass tacks of being able to not just compete with China, but to enable, right? I hate the China factor. It's like you can almost can't search on this document without bringing China in first and the polarization uh, around you know politics. But you can see at the heart of it, what they're trying to get to is we have a serious problem in technology related to preparedness of our own competitiveness internal. And again, the opportunity and hope around the investments, I know it's only you know, tens of billions. It's not like the infrastructure plan, you know, in total and complexity and all that. But the things that it is laying foundationally, the amount of oversight committees, guys, the amount of of thought put into these, these brand new arms of government that could stand up that are focused on one thing, data, 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 data. That's what it's about. And I, I find that incredibly encouraging. So do we have to secure it though? I don't, I don't feel like we do that much anymore. Well, the cybersecurity, the cybersecurity aspect is pretty heavy as well. And that's what I've been wondering as I, as you know, Bill Maher or whatever, you know, show will grace the concept of talking for five or 10 minutes about these immense scale threats that our country is facing beyond, you know, the, the great headline type of stuff, right? They give Chris Krebs 15 minutes and make him talk about cryptocurrency as well as he's talking about the two largest, most sophisticated yeah, exploits geez. the country has ever seen. Yeah. Right. And he jokes about it. He's just like, well, I don't, which one, which one do you want me to talk about? And so, That's yes, awesome. I'm the guy that has the time to sit and I watch the entire yes, and Fox news. Yeah. You know, I watched Fox news was the only one who would run the legislative hearing around like, Hey guys, are we even secure? Is my email like still being monitored? Like, <laughs> yeah. and and compared to like roasting Google and and some of the other people midweek, it's like this gets no attention whatsoever. But That's to crazy. answer your question, yes, cybersecurity is a massive part of this letter. Basically, so saying looks like just to encourage oh, everyone, yeah. if you go read like the first fifteen pages, it looks like you'll get a good grasp of this, right? You get the letter from the chair and the vice chair. You get the beginning of the beginning, letters from the executive director. You get the executive summary, et cetera. And then it ends on about page uh, page 16 here with a conclusion. And then from there, you can go dive in, gives you the preface and table of contents. So this is, uh, yeah, this is and, fascinating. And do recall, you know, the, the, the unfortunate thing about some of the headlines and how it gets called out is, is Terminator, right? The first thing is Terminator stuff, because that's what the first half of the document is focused on. If you read some of the impact statements, they're like, listen, humans can't respond to warfare any longer. And so Schmidt and his folks are pushing pretty hard that the autonomous state needs to move to the next level, right? And that gets into the more global theater stuff of, you know, the questions being asked of the United States on a, you know, you see that on a daily basis in Military Times magazines and this and that. When and how are we going to be able to press the button on the drones and just let them make the decision for us? Because the human near real time factor is impossible any longer. You can skip all that. Did you see the U.S. Army ordering 120,000 HoloLens? That's crazy. From Microsoft? But, yeah. For billion? a billion, billion. Or 18 no, billion? No, there's 21. 21? 21 yeah. and change. Yeah. yeah that's right. 21 Which, billion dollars. I, I hadn't been following that very closely, but apparently like, the first estimates for what that program is going to cost with the same quantities roughly involved was only like $430 million, which makes me super curious how we went from roughly 500 million to 21 billion. And I have to assume it's ruggedization. And then 
perhaps Microsoft actually won contractual obligations related to developing software for That's targeting and bombs software. It, right? Yeah. Yep. So originally it was probably here's a HoloLens and the API you need to use to write against it. And then they obviously competed yeah, for a lot more contract. than that. All that kind yeah, of stuff. and 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 long-term support. That's obviously huge. Same thing in the the aircraft space, right? The yeah, F-35s are expensive, but not as expensive as maintaining the entire global fleet. Yeah. So winning the support contract is often far more valuable than winning the production contract. And that's wow. the beauty of of this type of of discussion is you can pull on. Hey, let's let's go down the you know, the Daniel path and, and, and look at XR type of technologies and, and where, you know, it's being enhanced there. And it's, if you, you know, if you've got any good search engine and, and good fingertips that can fly across it, you can find the information very, very quickly on how the military is already modernizing. And that's the, that's the only part that sometimes makes me nervous. It's like, Hey, Hey, I want to hear the president reference this document. I want to hear the Senate reference this document more than yeah. I'm already hearing. We're already making trillion dollar infrastructure decisions around cybersecurity and 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 next gen, you know, type of technology and you know how we're going to integrate it like like, you know, a true AR training capabilities. And you know, I'm not scared that the military leads. Military most times leads That's technology. Super common, yeah. Yeah. But so it's, it's can I ask why, like why you want to hear them reference the document more specifically? What the I want to know, I want to know there. that people are thinking about things at a, a larger level. The one thing that's hard to consume about all this, and I'm not trying to predict futures, I'm not trying to accelerate technologies, I'm just trying to go, oh, well, we're going to have this challenge for the human race, and this is how we're going to solve it. Like everything in our story is a dip, it's always, uh, you know, this reverse sine wave, you know humanity comes into struggles during what we call the period of the fall of humanity in the 20, 30, 20, 50. And I'm trying that's to figure out, no, it's, I'm trying not to, but they, that, that's what the children consume. When they turn yeah. on Netflix, guys, everything is about robots taking over. And sure. so yeah. we address so, those fears with the kids and tried to take these technologies post, through a lens of how to apocalyptic. Everything yeah. seems to be there. Yeah. So you want no to nukes hear flying. You want to hear out of Biden's mouth him saying they're talking about accelerating AI innovation at home in the U.S. Man, I want to hear right? a reference Building. to this document. I want to hear okay. like a committee talk about America is really considering these implications. I want to hear pushback. The biggest pushback has been Russell Brand, right? If you listen to any Russell Brand stuff, um, he went after it from a Davos, the rich control everything angle. They're controlling our data. They now tell us who to date. It's it wasn't quite conspiratorial. It was. Just, Wait a minute. We're talking about the same Russell Brand as like, yeah. get him to the Greek, get him to the Greek. kind of guy, yep. right? <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. So, in in respect for people who have had major uh, life uh, changing events that aren't you know just your typical midlife crisis, the man um, I would have never followed him much in the past. More of a radio jockey and things like that, but he's basically, you know, spiritual awakening type of thing, clean, sober, runs a podcast and, and, and very, very popular podcast because the, the way he approaches things intellectually is, is it's very stimulating. And like I said, it's kind of discouraging though, to have the person that's talking about this the most from an oppositional level, right? I want to hear the oppositional, like when you consider the timeline of this document, five years. They want all this implemented in five years, right? They want to kind of mirror the China five-year wow. plan. China's seven focuses in their five-year plan from three weeks ago are all high technology-based. We're not talking like 
we're going to pound out more processors. We're talking nanotech, biotech, quantum computing. Those are their national level strategic initiatives for the next five years is to defeat the U.S. in the data science realm. And so it's really super neat to kind of follow where the U.S. and how we're not known for implementing mass scale technological change. And once you start reading this document, it's like, whoa, this is what they state. They all but state we are entering the next industrial revolution, right? That's a very taboo word to say. People don't like hearing that because then it leads to UBI discussions. It leads to job loss. It leads to how are we going to I feel like we're soft in how we say it. Like I I kind of admire the way China makes a statement like that. Me too. I I wonder if maybe... Is that weird to say? No, it's not. (laughs) No, I don't think so. But I do wonder if there's an element of, you know, we talk about trying to get women involved in technology. We want kids mm-hmm. to be interested in science. We, we want math and science to be stronger in the schools and, and just get people into these fields. And there's talk all the time about how Americans don't want certain types of jobs or they're not doing yep. certain types of jobs. Is, is there, you know, we do this from the standpoint of, can we get people to voluntarily play in this space and, and do work in this space? China obviously has a lot of control over a lot of things within a their countries. Yeah. Do they, and I don't know the answer to this question. Do they also sort of dictate, hey, you have an aptitude for this based off of some test we took. You are going to do this because we have a, a, you know, a national security plan of developing AI. And they don't even encourage people. They make them go into a space. Exactly. There is, yeah. there is some of that for sure in China. I mean, if you remember the stories I told you about, even when I was doing the, the wine study stuff over there, I mean, they literally took someone who was successful in manufacturing you know, building one of their car companies from the ground up and said, wow, you're good at running businesses. You're going to, you're going to start our wine industry now move here and oh, do right. yeah. And you've got, you've got a decade to make us competitive. And I'm sure the failure side of that is probably ugly too, but we obviously didn't get <laughs> into that part of it because I don't think they were comfortable talking about what happens if they don't succeed. It's just sort right. of like, no, we have unlimited resources and smart people. Like I have a decade to figure it out. Um, but uh, I don't know if they do the aptitude testing stuff. Um, that, that's a little re- reminiscent of like um, Soviet Union times, because I remember that they used to do that with especially the Olympic competitors when it came to athletics. Well, most, most of their countries have switched to adaptive AI so or from a learning perspective. So to kind of uh, most of their regions, like Squirrel AI is a very common one. It basically learns the child. And it decides what the child, and then it can also present, this child's really good at these four things, right? So you have early, maybe even caste system or selection Superman Uh, style back on Krypton happening. You're born into house L or whatever. You have that level of learning and, 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 and maybe discarding and promoting others. That's a little, that's a, that's a meritocracy that, you know, it deserves a whole nother conversation. But the cool part of that is, is you invest in learning the alternate style. So we may, we may look at this West versus East from all these different perspectives from an educational one. It's almost like the approach is around harvesting. We have these natural resources, whereas the U.S., you know, let's think about a, a different way that we're kind of harvesting. Look at the neurodiverse hiring programs. Let's just shine a little light today, knowing what today is, right? Yeah, sure. Look at how one tech company, maybe two, in about 2016, 17 said, huh, let's just create a program where they can kind of come in and tell us what they do. Let's find out where their skill sets could fit into innovation or optimization yeah. or augmentation of something. And, you know, next thing you know, IBM, Oracle, Amazon, Google, they all have 
these neat hiring programs that take away maybe the fear of going through the process that I fear about going back into the industry. If I can't make Bifrost work, you know, I got to support the family. So I worry about how do I come back into these machines that decide, you know, almost my fate these days with a modern HR software, what bucket do I get sorted into versus mm-hmm. being able to stand up and say, hey, I'm really different, yeah. but I have some very unique capabilities. Would you want to take a look at these, you know? So I'm sorry, I'm chatting too no, 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 this is great and and i'm i'm super no, bummed too because i love dude. this conversation it's so much fun to talk to you kurt but i actually have to drop early um so i will i will have to miss the rest of this but this has been a pleasure thank you yeah i love it man it's it's great let, let me come up just high level and, and and address the couple of bullet points so it's hard to believe the nsci ai is one but what's been exciting about following schmidt specifically is in the succession of a few short weeks he's announced you know the the several different initiatives beyond just this commitment to data science and and this you know this this job that I guess that he has if you will around leading you know the, the NSCI stuff if you go out to his Twitter profile and you check the first you know I don't know four or five public things he's put out you'll you'll have a little bit more of the you know the understanding of of these things but at a high level um, within the family they have the the center for biotechnology that Eric Schmidt and his wife have created. Um, basically, the, the statement is wild too. I just love how you know a lot of the stuff that he's focusing on is not afraid to come out. Uh, here we are. We're thrilled to announce the launch of Eric and Wendy uh, Schmidt Center, merging biology and machine learning to understand the programs of life. The center will enable a new field of interdisciplinary research aimed at improving human health. You know, so big, high-level type of research going on there. And, and then last but not least, his daughter, this is a very awesome focus, uh, created, you know, several different um, podcasts and, you know, newsletters and all these different, um, you know, methods of spreading the word around the rest of world concept, right? When we consider uh, technology, it's mainly focused around the US and Europe, right? And this concept of what is the rest of world doing? How are we enabling them? How are they progressing? Because in a lot of cases, they're going through a leapfrog of technology innovation that we, you know, maybe spent decades absorbing. So I find a lot of what they're doing. That's an interesting point too. Yeah. Nations that maybe had zero AI that suddenly get it all. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you listen to just the first episode, or I think NPR did one recently on what Sophie, um, and she's also got a, a strong, journal, uh, journalism partner, I forget exactly, um, you know, it's a lot of information to disseminate, but, but basically, you know, the first uh, hour I invested had me writing down more, not concepts, not acronyms to look up, but more, um, you know, string pulling around what's really going on in the rest of the world. So I just find this innovation center around Eric Schmidt to be fascinating. It's just in the last couple of weeks, my research has led me there. And yeah, just wanted to pull on some strings today. Yeah, no, it's good, man. See, this document. Sorry, he it, on no, the, on go the ahead. Schmidt part. He um, d- joined a podcast. I guess it's it's Hoover.org podcast, and it seems to have some association with Stanford University, where he's yes. talking about the great, I guess, Sino or Sino U.S. tech war, and it's 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 talking about the U.S. and China and all of this stuff. So, if you wanted to get a concise way to maybe listen to it, I haven't listened to it. It looks like an interesting thing. He's joined a podcast to kind of talk about some of these topics and I think what they're they're doing around it. They're calling it the I don't know. I guess it's called the Pacific Century 
um, from China to the Marines to the White House is sort of the idea is what, wow. what this is here. So I don't know. Looks interesting. Uh, Pacific Century from Hoover Institute podcast. Check it out. See if, you know, maybe it covers some of these topics with them directly. Yeah. And the National Security Administration has a podcast as well. They tend to be very single topic focused, seven or eight minutes, though, highly consumable. They tend to be focusing still around this part of the document that's bound up in military, um, you know, the first half of it. But um, Eric Schmidt did his own, I think it was a six-part podcast leading up to the publishing of the NSCII uh, document. I think it was like Schmidt Futures or um, exactly, I can I can you know look it up a little later, but he's planning on doing one final podcast episode this year to recap this document as well. And so, and I can't speak for him. I don't know where the recap comes from, where the focus is at, but there's there's been a verbal commitment that he's going to kind of put a cherry on top. And so that's been the hard part for me is sitting by for a month, reading this thing, waiting, hoping some big outlet is going to you know open it up for for discussion because. Guys, when you have the AI bug, and you're constantly picking at stuff. You get really, you know, you yeah. just feel like, ah, why everybody's always, you know, thinking you're living in the clouds. And I have a very unique life. I mean, it's very unique to be able to whiteboard all day and come up with ideas and run ideas in different directions and publish things. And, you know, but it's also discouraging because I'm not bringing it up to be some, you know, either Luddite or, you know, technophile you know, sure. saying, you know, grandma, let's augment your arm and get you a cyborg one or something. It's just, Hey, look at these things <laughs> happening. And yeah, your, <laughs> no, your mind lives a hundred years in the future though, man. Yeah. So I, yeah, yeah, I don't want you to constantly be disappointed waking up and just wondering why no one's talking about it, but I did have a question. So a lot of, a lot of the news I get, I go to Google news, news.google.com mm-hmm. or whatever, right over mm-hmm. there on the left side. I usually just click technology. That's usually where I start. And then up there at the top under technology, they have all these different columns. Well, artificial intelligence has its own column. Yeah. And I want to say two or three of the articles in there today are titled, let's see, error riddled, error riddled, well, that's harder to say than you might think. Error riddled mm-hmm. data sets are warping our sense of how good AI really is. And then there's another one. The foundations of AI are riddled with errors, saying the same sort of thing. Uh, subtitle here, the labels attached to images used to train machine vision systems are often wrong. That could mean bad decisions by self-driving cars and medical algorithms. In all your research, do you feel great concern for that type of stuff or do you feel like it's going to be overcome quickly? Yeah, I do. And I tend to follow and grab news starting out in the morning. I grab the top five or 10 kind of AI minds that I'm following. A lot Mm -hmm. of them I picked up from like Lex Friedman or something like that, Mm -hmm. heard their in-depth views on the world. And because I'm researching for, from a Gaia Seed perspective, I put a lot more focus around utopian. So, and, and by the way, utopian means in this case around uh, data integrity, data curation, uh, you know, how we're, how we're taking these data sets. It's very important in our story. That's literally Facebook data is the corruption of another AGI and creates our main protagonist, right? Or antagonist. And so I'm very very interested in the Timnit Gebru, the AI ethics, uh, you know, debacle in the news that's been out for the last couple of months, you know, focusing on how Ultron. <laughs> Isn't that what happened to him? He went and saw human history and saw everything leads to war. And so his best answer was just to end it all or something like that. Pretty sure. That's I think Ultron. about, check, check I think about Ultron a lot. Another shortcut here. 
No. So, so, so it's funny because I try to, Ultron is the base for where I try to expand from a nine to 13 plus audience. Again, that plus is parents are reading the stuff with you. The common parent does not know what a neural network is, does not know how auto machine learning is going to revolutionize everything in five years, you know, but parents doing. Yeah, exactly. Because the, because all this stuff is happening and because parents, because like, I think Russ is on the same sort of page as I am, like personal responsibility, parents, you know, teach your kids stuff. Yes. Kurt, what you're saying is most parents don't know any of this stuff. How do we, how do we change that? And that's, that's part of commitment. what you're doing, but part of, I would love, like, how can, yeah. how, how, how could, I don't know, how, how would you imagine the best way society would support that effort? Yeah. So, so Microsoft through, you know, well, Satya Nadella and code.org have created sure. an entire K through 12 program and the, the, the data science for everyone is doing the same thing. So they're basically saying we have to create holistic programs that start teaching our kids at kindergarten. Now I see this as the next potential pull my kid out of school issue. You, if you follow me a little bit on Twitter, you notice I ask a lot of people, when are you comfortable mm-hmm. with me teaching? If I was teaching your kid data science, are you comfortable at kindergarten, a child being taught the difference between a cobot and a robot? Like take the fear off the word robot and understand that your job is to assist with a cobot in 90% of cases, right? Mm, so yeah. a lot of what do, I'm do frustrated about- responses to that, by but, the way? Because I don't think I would even think about it. Like if I went, if I saw a school curriculum and it said, and Kate is two years old, so she goes to daycare and they said, hey, we're going to be learning about AI today. I'd be like, all right, cool. So let me, let me, um, let me spell out where, what I've done recently. So taking this commitment. And again, I have a call in about four hours to make Gaia seat a part of this commitment. They even allow not just take their programs and kind of push the, the, the learning forward because Gaia seat is a 20 part animation about 20 data science topics. It's an animation series to get kids interested. I'm interviewing around making it not a part of a curriculum, but can this excite children at this age group to get into this? Um, but sure. to give you an idea, you know, I reached out to the superintendent our school district is listening. They just instituted a five-year plan where the kids that are graduating in five years, they don't have an option to fail any longer. They have to state the trade basically that they're getting into. The Matanuska School District has a, I think they call it four CS. There's four C's in the pillar and one S, uh, you know, around this, this new concept of children have to have a trade leaving high school. There's no more burger flipping jobs by the time they get out. There's no more of these very, very low level, low skill introductory type of positions, you know, by the time they're entering the workforce, most, you know, uh, whatever the Gartners of the world and McKinsey's, they're basically somewhere between 40 to 60% of the positions we can't even identify right now that will be uh, in front of our children in 10 years. We can't even tell them how to prepare and what the job will be. And what these programs are focusing on is that data science is at the core of everything. Right. You can call it, you know, tech literacy, data literacy, science literacy, but starting children young around these concepts that our world has already changed. While most parents can accept maybe that it's changing, like we've already laid the, the, the foundation and groundwork. And that's really what Gaia's Seed is, is about. And then, and, and, and why do I always say 2030 on? I consider 2020 to 2030. Uh, our fuck up period. Sorry. Um, uh, this is where we're going to mess a lot of things up. You know, ethics, data sets, how people are affected by neural uplink. You know, if we've got neural uplink, if we have satellite internet, how does that disrupt Alaska? Right. We have the president now saying broadband is 
you know, one of the yeah. biggest challenges they have. So let's just I, I hate to ask right this over. question as I as I really need to 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 go, but you say it's it's gonna be the period where we're gonna mess things up. I would be curious as to why that is. There's a couple core tenets. I mean, it could just be we, most of us mess things up whenever we're starting to do something new, right? It's it's how we learn. Other Absolutely. Times, the wrong motivations. And then, you know, maybe there's there's other scenarios around it. Like, what, what do you think the driver is for the next 10 years of us messing all this stuff up? Well, when you get to the root of where a lot of the brilliant minds looking at futurism are at, they don't think that humans can comprehend the amount of change that we're going through right now. And the the computational social science is is very lacking. That's why I'm studying that in the background. If I enter tech again, my aspiration is to come in at the exploding career level of computational social science, which is how is you know this technology affecting us? How can we get correlation and causation in a short time? We don't need Rehoboam. We don't need prediction machines and AI to be telling us you know uh, specific gateway tasking like they do in drone strikes. But we need AI to at least be organizing data and putting it on a HUD in front of us to help us make better human-oriented decisions. And so my viewpoint for the book is we're going to screw that up and learn a lot of lessons in the next decade. And that's going to enable the 9 to 13-year-old kids that I'm, you know, focused on, if you will. Like it's it's very maybe arrogant for me to kind of think in these frameworks and be rigid, but it's how I've designed a book for this generation in 10 years to come in and go, whoa. And it's not about old versus young. It's not about formally trained from universities versus autodidacts. It's it's around the concept of new ideas are needed to rapidly shift humanity's understanding of how much the foundations underneath us have changed in the, whatever you want to call it, the automation era, fourth industrial revolution, call it what you want. The technology cold war is now, you know, many people are starting to, I've been waiting for that one. That's the first part of our series is the tech cold war creates the schism and makes all these countries develop their own AGIs. Can't have more than one AGI. That means, you know, war level type of stuff. And so, again, when you listen to the minds and then rewind backwards, you get to decide what technology fills the gaps. Make sense? Yeah, man. Oof. Oh, I thought it was going to be an easy Friday. And I got all this stuff to think about. <laughs> I know. I'm I'm, I'm I've got to respond to an RFP today. What are you doing to me? <laughs> oh. I'm going to put some AI stuff in there. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Kurt, this was great, man. I think it's uh, it's about time that we shut it down. Uh, we'll we'll have you on again, of course, and we'll do some follow ups. I I envision myself trying to read this 756 page document. Um, I'm definitely going to read the executive summary that is 10 pages. The, the interesting part we'll see is how far I can get into that. I am a slow reader. So 756 pages is at least two and a half years for me. Yeah. So, <laughs> the, uh, no, incredibly interesting topic, man. But that's going to do it for another episode of the Tech Breakfast podcast. Like, share, tell your friends, tell your family, jump in, reach out to Kurt on Twitter to talk about some of this stuff in detail. I promise the you. Bunks. Thoughts. And opinions, the bunks. Uh, I took a uh, I took a quote from him: "The future forward, looking back, bunks 2021." That's my uh, <laughs> my statement from today. So thanks everyone, and we'll catch y'all next time. <laughs>